which is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Okay, so this morning is the first morning of our new preaching series. Oh, there's a, there's a, a quiet whoop there. That was, that was good. Excellent. And uh, oh, there we are. There's the, there's the graphic. Excellent. Thank you. So you'll see from the, uh, the picture behind me, uh, our new pe- preaching series is going to be going through the Gospel of Luke. I'm wanting us uh, in this series to encounter Jesus. And for many of you, uh, you have been a Christian. For some of you, you've been a Christian for many years. Uh, for some of you, uh, you've been a Christian for longer than I have. And so I'm hoping in this series that you get to encounter Jesus afresh and see him afresh as we spend some time working our way through Luke's Gospel. For some of you, maybe you've only been a Christian uh, for a very short length of time. And uh, maybe as we go through Luke's Gospel, there'll be some uh, stuff that you haven't read before. You're thinking, oh wow, Jesus did this and he said this. And I see that part of about him as well now. Um, hoping and praying that you'll get to encounter Jesus maybe for the first time. And for some of you who perhaps aren't a Christian yet, maybe you're coming with a friend and you're just sort of investigating faith and just seeing what it's about and just wondering, you know, what, what's, all, what's all this about and looking in. Well, I'm praying for you as well that you'll get to encounter Jesus for the first time. Now, it's a good discipline to uh, to work our way through uh, a book of the Bible. There are a number of reasons for that. Firstly, uh, as a preacher, it's great to know on Monday morning what you're meant to be preaching on the following Sunday. That way you don't spend too long thinking, well, what should it be? And uh, those of you who have ever preached anywhere, you'll know that if someone says to you, well, just you know, preach what, whatever you want or what's on your heart. Half of the prep time is praying and seeking God as to what that should be. Well, when you're preaching through a series, that's done for you. And that's a good discipline because it's helpful. It's also helpful for this reason. As a preacher, there's a tendency always to go for your favourite passages. And for me, I guess we'd end up in Acts 2 most weeks. And uh, we, we do end up in Acts 2 many weeks. Uh, but that's okay, it's a good passage. But by going through a book, you get to hit things that, if you had a choice, you might choose to avoid. You might think, oh, they're a bit hard, that's a bit of a hard saying, maybe I just won't, won't do that bit. Well, if it's the next passage, you can't skip it. It's just there. And so it's a good discipline uh, to preach through a book such as this uh, for those reasons. Now, if you, if you know the Gospel of Luke, if you've got a Bible with you, please do do turn to it, be, be finding it there at the beginning part uh, of the New Testament. If you look through Luke's Gospel, you'll see that there are uh, 24 chapters, and it's a fairly sizable book, so if we were to go through verse by verse in some detail, it could take us a while. So we're not going to go through verse by verse, but we're going to go through um, either by chapters, or, or maybe to use a very biblical word, chunks uh, at a time. And uh, that's what we'll be doing. We're working our way through Luke's Gospel, chunk by chunk, uh, over the next uh, few months or so, and seeing what God has for us as we do that. And certainly as we do that, I'm praying for each of us that we'll get to encounter Jesus. Now, Luke's Gospel uh, is uh, the first part of a two-part series. Uh, You'll know if you know anything about your Bibles that uh, Luke, Luke writes 
the gospel, and we'll look at what he says at the beginning part of it in a moment, uh, to tell us about Jesus. Uh, and then he goes on to write uh, the book of Acts and to tell us a bit more about what happens uh, in the early church. So we're reading the sort of first half, if you like, the first uh, part of his, um, his series here. <clears throat> and Luke, we know, is a doctor. And uh, we're told at the beginning of his gospel that it's written to a guy called Theophilus. And uh, you'll see at the beginning of Acts, Luke says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Well, that's what we're about to look at, his his former book. So we're looking at Luke's gospel. And uh, he says that he's writing to Theophilus, and he says to him, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So he knows that Theophilus knows something about Jesus, and he wants to underline it, he wants to teach into what he knows, that he might know the certainty of what he's been taught. And that's good for us. And friends, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you could count up you know, the numbers of sermons you've heard. Maybe it's many. That's okay, because this book is written to you so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. I'm not saying you haven't been taught before. You have been taught. This is not like you might know the certainty of them. And for those of you who are perhaps newer to this, this is so that you may discover more about Jesus and uh, what he says to you. One uh, commentator uh, in, a, in a book that he writes about the whole of the New Testament, says this about Luke's Gospel. He, he says this, Probably no other book in the whole New Testament depicts Jesus so vividly as the friend and saviour of men and women. And this is exactly what Luke intended. For it was important that the church of his own day should realise how their own mission to the whole world was firmly grounded in the teaching and example of Jesus himself. And friends, that's too true for us. We talk a lot about what our vision is, what some of our values are, what's important to us, what God is saying to us. It is important for us as well that we understand how our own mission to the whole world, to the nations, is firmly grounded in the teaching and example of Jesus himself. We need to understand it isn't just someone's idea. It isn't just the, oh, well, let's do this. No, no. What we're going for as a local church, as we work with uh, other churches in the city and other New Frontiers churches beyond, we need to understand that our own mission to the nations is firmly grounded in the teaching and example of Jesus himself. And that's what I'm true. I'm trusting we'll encounter as we work our way through this gospel as well. So uh, why don't we pray and then we'll read some of this together and see what God has for us. Sound good? Yeah, you you can nod. That's that's, that's good. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your love for us. We want to thank you, Lord, for this gospel. Thank you for uh, Luke writing carefully um, all that he knew and uh, had uh, discovered and found out and been told about. And Lord, we, we thank you 
for this record, Lord Jesus, of, of your life here on earth. And we prayed right at the beginning of this series in Luke's Gospel that we might encounter you afresh or that we might encounter you maybe for the first time. Lord, I pray that your word would come alive to us. Thank you that it's living, it's active, it does us good. I pray even now in these moments as we look at this first chapter, Lord God, you would do us good through your words. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's read uh, part of uh, Luke 1 together, and uh, then we'll see what God has for us. In it. Luke 1, and uh, we'll start at verse 1. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught." even reading that where Luke says I'm going to write an orderly account you think because he read some other accounts that quite, weren't quite so orderly and well structured he's going to do things well here and that's good for us that's going to help us as we, as we go through in the time of Herod king of Judea there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well on in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah answered the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realised he'd seen a vision in the temple, but he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. 
In these days he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people. Let's stop there for a moment and we'll read on in, in just a second. I want us to see, first of all, right at the beginning of, uh, of Luke's gospel here, is that God orders circumstances. If you're making notes, it's your first heading. God orders circumstances. And it's important that we don't miss this. We can read through this very first part of Luke's Gospel and think, well, I just need to get through this, but it's not you know, really about Jesus yet. I'm just going to skip it through and get on to where Jesus is born and, and then to his life and ministry. If we did that, we'd miss what God wants to say to us. Because we can see here, right at the beginning of Luke's Gospel, that God orders circumstances. The birth of Jesus, which we'll read about in a moment, the birth of John the Baptist, who is being referred to there, who prepared the way for the Lord to come. They're not random events. They're carefully orchestrated. They're world-changing events, in fact. And God orders the circumstances perfectly because you see that his timing is perfect. I guess for each of us, we know that our timing isn't always perfect on things, is it? We don't always say things at the right time. We don't always get to a meeting on time or we can miss things or forget them. God isn't like that. God's timing is perfect. Paul says in Romans 5 verse 6, he says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. When? At just the right time. That's what the Bible tells us. You see, Zechariah was on duty here in the temple at just the right time. Not just a random occurrence, not just it happened to be, but rather at just the right time. You see, each priest was responsible for just one week's service in six months. So once every six months, he would be responsible for serving seven days in the temple. So there are only two weeks out of a year when he would even be there in that place. Also, not every priest would get to go and burn the incense. We're told here by by Luke that they're chosen by lot. And it it says that um, it was, uh, where are we, in verse uh, 9, He was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So, even the fact he was there is significant to start with. But even if he was there, he may not have got chosen. It may have been someone else's turn. He was just chosen by Lot. But it wasn't completely random because, do you remember? God orders circumstances. God's in control. So he is there at just the right time. Just as Paul says, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Well, at just the right time, Zechariah was there. And at just the right time, God sends Gabriel to speak to him. You see, we need to understand, friends, that God orders circumstances. So often we can wonder what's happening around us and think, well, it doesn't always seem to make sense. Sometimes we can be very quick as Christians to, to blame the enemy for, you know, making things difficult for us. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's actually God ordering our circumstances to get us in the right place 
at the right time. God orders our circumstances. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. The Lord establishes their steps. So Gabriel is sent to Zechariah at just the right time. Just the right time. And we're told a little bit later, if we carried on reading, that in the sixth month, God sends Gabriel again. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth now, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. So Gabriel was sent to Zechariah at just the right time. He was sent to Mary at just the right time. In chapter 2 of Luke, which we'll see in the next few weeks, that Caesar Augustus calls a census at just the right time. You can think sometimes that God is ignoring you or has forgotten you or you're not sure that he's really aware of what you're going through. Listen, the truth is that God acts at just the right time. Think how it must have been for Zechariah and Elizabeth for a moment. They thought, they assumed that they had missed the chance of having children. They thought that was it for them. So when the angel visits Zechariah, he, uh, he answers, doesn't he? He says, well, I'm an old man. And in a very politically correct phrase, he says, and my wife is well on in years. He's basically saying to Gabriel, don't you understand, we're past it. You know, if you'd come with your message, you know, 30 years ago, then maybe there would have been a good chance. But listen, don't you realise, me and the missus, this is not going to happen. That's what we would have thought. But God's timing was just perfect. They thought they'd missed the chance. They thought it was never going to happen. But no, God's timing was perfect. And the same is true all throughout Scripture. God's timing is perfect. What do you need to hear this morning about God's timing for you? Hear this. God's timing is perfect. He doesn't make mistakes. His timing is perfect and he orders our circumstances. Secondly, we see in this passage that God speaks promises. That's our second point, number two. God speaks promises. So in Luke chapter 1, 
Gabriel is sent to visit both Zechariah and Mary. Both of them are given promises. Zechariah and Elizabeth, as we've seen already, are an old couple. Mary is right at the other end of her life. She's, she's young, she's a virgin, not yet married. And their responses are very different, aren't they? So Zechariah says, well, you stand no chance. It's not going to happen. Don't you understand? We're past it. He doesn't believe. But Mary's response is, is quite different. She responds uh, in faith and believes what uh, Gabriel is telling her. It's interesting, both are visited by the angel. Both are told to expect a child. Zechariah doubts. And because of his doubting, he's told that he's going to be made mute, not going to be able to speak until the baby is born. There's a sign to him that this is Gabriel. God has sent him. And God knows what he's doing. Mary, however, believes and responds in faith. And later when Elizabeth visits her, Elizabeth said this, this to her, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. See, she believed it. And Mary responds in worship. We'll look at that in a moment, but before we get there, let's just pause for a moment on this issue of God speaking promises. So God came to Zechariah and spoke some promises. He, came, he comes to Mary, speaks promises. Gabriel is sent to both of these individuals. I wonder what promises has God given you? Maybe he hasn't sent Gabriel, the angel, to you. Or maybe he's whispered something into your heart. You feel God has spoken to you. What promises has God spoken to you? And for some of you, that may come to mind straight away. You think, yeah, I know, God has promised such and such to me. Or he's spoken something into my heart. You'll know what that is. Some of you might have to think a little bit harder. Think, well, yeah, actually, God did say such and such way back when. Maybe you've, it's back in the, uh, the recesses of your memory somewhere. If you're not sure maybe what God has spoken to you specifically, that's okay because there are plenty of promises that God has spoken already to you in his word. So for example, Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and the future. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm not sure what God said to me, he said that to you. And there's lots of other things that we could take from Scripture and say, well, God has said this. So, Jeremiah again, 31 verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness, or some uh, translations put it, loving kindness. God has said that to you. He said this as well, 1 Peter, 2, 20, uh, verse, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Friends, sometimes we can be so keen to hear God's prophetic word, he's sort of speaking to us now, that we miss what God has said to us already through his written words. Let's not miss what God has said 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. It's felt that for some of you this morning, you need to hear that. Plans to give you a hope. Even Ray's word a little bit earlier was tied into that so helpfully. If you're thinking, I'm not sure I've got any hope for the future. God wants to give you hope this morning. So Zechariah, we know, gets gets God's message and doubts it. Mary gets God's message and believes. What promises has God spoken to you that you're perhaps doubting or questioning or wondering if you can believe? Maybe they seem so huge, so unbelievable, so vast that you think, can I really believe that? Can I trust in, in that, what God has said? Remember what Gabriel responds? He's verse 37, he says, For nothing is impossible with God. It's true, isn't it? Nothing is impossible with God. And maybe some of you need to hear that this morning as well. As well as God giving hope, you need to hear that nothing's impossible with Him. So, we see that God orders circumstances. God's in control there. We see as well that um, God speaks promises. And he's still in the business of doing that. God's still in the business of speaking promises to us. But as well as that, we see uh, Mary's uh, response in worship. And we don't have time to, to read it. Uh, right now, you can read it at a later time, in verse 46 uh, through to 55 there, in Luke chapter 1. Mary responds in worship. And it's a great song of praise. She's clearly thankful to God for what he has done. But it's interesting, isn't it? Her response in worship is not at church, or in her context, not in the temple. You know, it's just her and Elizabeth having a conversation. But she responds in worship because of what God has done in her life. Do you see that? So it's just a natural response. It's, it's at home. It's, it's just a response to what God is doing. So often we can think that worship is just about Sunday mornings. We can think, oh, Sunday morning equals worship. And then hearing God's word. But actually, our whole lives are about worship. Sunday morning is a a chance to express that with other believers and worship God together. Yeah, that's true. But actually our whole lives are about worship. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So, is worship just about Sunday mornings? No, it's not. Is it just about singing songs? No, it's not. Actually, the way you live your life is worship to God. Now, let's be clear, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have moments of heartfelt, God-directed, honouring worship in song and in praise, in psalms and in prayer, because worship needs expressing. And you can express it in the way you live your life, the way you serve others, the way you are with others around you. 
But he also needs expressing verbally to the Lord as well, directly. Lord, I love you, I worship you. Just as Mary's doing here, when, it, when she says, my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. She expresses what's in her heart. And love needs expressing, doesn't it? Those of you who are married will know that your love for your husband or wife needs expressing. And if you didn't know that, then that's one thing that you perhaps should take away from this morning. Your love for your husband or wife does need expressing. So you can't just say to them, well dear, when we got married, and for us it'll be ten years this year, when we got married, however many years ago, I told you that I loved you, and well I haven't changed my mind since, so it's still the same. No, 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 it needs expressing. You need to tell one another. You can't just say, well I told them once they should remember it. You need to keep on telling them. Is that true? Those of you who are married, is that, is that fair? Actually, it is true, isn't it? And he's expressing in different ways. You need to express it in, the, in your words, the way you are, your actions. Maybe it's a loving gifts and different ways of expressing your love for one another. Well, the same is true of our love for God. It needs expressing. We need to tell him. We need to lift our hearts in worship and and song, as well as living a life that honours him. Let's worship as well. Paul says in Ephesians 5, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Speak it. Express it. Let God know. You see, the truth is, we all worship someone or something. Everybody does. Whether they might go to a church or not, in fact, everybody in this nation worships something or someone. The issue is not, do you worship? The issue is, what or whom do you worship? So, is it the latest gadget released from an uh, American fruit-shaped computer company? Or is it the latest computer game or your football team that might be doing well or not so well? Is it your car? Whatever it might be, actually we all worship something or someone or is it indeed the Lord? See, we're designed as beings that worship And God wants to be the one that captures our worship. And our hearts are given to him. The Bible is very clear. Worship God alone. Other things are good. Other things are fine. They're not necessarily sinful. But they're not worthy of worship. You might be familiar with the song which I won't sing now. The chorus goes, I will give you all my worship. I'll give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. See, God alone, friends, is worthy of our praise. Other things are good. They're not worthy of our worship. So for Mary, she was expressing what was in her heart. God had done something in her heart and her response was in worship. I wonder, what has God done in your heart? What's your response to him this morning? So we begin to close. Let me just summarise. God orders our circumstances. He's in control. 
He speaks promises to us, both in his word and has spoken to us already, and prophetically too, as well. And also, God wants to receive your worship, because he alone is worthy of our praise. So the good news is that God is engaged with and involved in his world. You see, before the beginning of Luke's Gospel, so in between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, there's about 400 years. And God's, God's silent at this point. The, the prophetic voice is not speaking. The prophets have come and gone, and people are wondering and waiting what's going to happen. Was God asleep? Was he disinterested in that moment? No. He was waiting for just the right time. God knows just the right time. And that means sometimes you need to wait. And sometimes you need to wait on him. Over for some of you, you feel like you're in a bit of a waiting period at the moment. God's still in control. His timing is perfect. Obviously the bands can come up, please. We're going to Worship the Lord together as we close. And uh, there's a few uh, categories of people I'd like us to have opportunity to pray for. So perhaps we can, can we stand together? Be alright? I'm going to pray. And then give you opportunity to respond if you'd like to. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word to us. Thank you for what we've begun to see in the Gospel of Luke here. Lord, we thank you that you order circumstances. Thank you that you speak promises. And Jesus, thank you that uh, you alone are worthy of our praise, worthy of our worship. Lord, you've captured our hearts. There's no one else we'd rather give our lives to. No one else we'd rather worship and put at the very centre of all that we are. So, Lord God, I want to pray this morning that you would uh, speak these words into our hearts. Lord, as we've begun to look at Luke's Gospel here, I pray, Lord, that uh, these words would land and do us good. I, I pray for each of us that our hearts would be good soil for your word. You continue to speak into us, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing to the Lord and worship him in just a moment. As I was... Uh, Praying this week, there are a few groups of people I felt I wanted to pray for. And um, the first is this, for those who feel they need faith to believe what God has spoken. So I know that God's spoken something. I know that God has said something and spoken some truth into their life, but are struggling to believe it. Well, if that's you, I'd love to pray for you. And it might be truth of scripture that God has said in his written word. You think, oh, can it be true for me? Or it might be something that God has spoken to you prophetically. I'd love to pray for you if you're struggling to believe that. I feel there's a gift of faith this morning. Not that you somehow have to work your way out to believe it, but actually God wants to give you a gift of faith to help you believe that. Secondly, to pick up on that thing about hope for the future. And if that's you, I just need to know hope for the future. I have to pray with you for that. And then the third one's a bit sensitive and just please hear my heart as I, I just try and bring this well. Uh, just as I was reading through and praying this week, 
I just felt I wanted to pray for those who are struggling to conceive. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, they, they were really old. I don't think anybody's in that uh, category this morning. But if, if you're thinking, yeah, that's an area where we've struggled. As a, as a couple, we haven't been able to conceive. Then I'd love to pray for you this morning. And uh, pray for God's grace in your situation. And, and pray that you might know him speaking into your heart. So if you want to respond to any of those words, I'd love to pray with you. As Caroline and the band lead us, if you want to make your way to the front, uh, then I'm very happy to pray for you. And if you think, yeah, I just want to respond, but I'm not sure I want to respond publicly, <laughs> then uh, I'm happy to pray for you afterwards as well. But let's lift our hearts to the Lord now. Let's respond in worship. Let's give our hearts to him. Let's lift our hearts to the Lord and declare our love for him and our worship. Website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday.